for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to, I'm going to, in a few minutes, uh, Jack's going to come up and I'm going to kind of interview Jack, just a few bits. We've not got time to go through every chapter of the book as a series, so we're kind of going to go over some things that we've not looked at yet and kind of try to scratch a little bit beneath the surface um, for some other places where we have been maybe. But the first thing we're going to do, I'm going to invite Ruth up. Um, I'm just going to talk to Ruth just for a couple of minutes, um, just around a few things in this book really. Um, how long have you been in our church now, Ruth? How long have you been coming? Andy, how long have you been, how long have you been coming? Five or six months. So if any of you have not met Andy or Ruth yet or shared more than a how would you do, this is Ruth, that is Andy. Um, but Ruth, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and who you all are. How many you got kids, right? Yeah, you kind of just answered the first bit I prepared. I said, my name is Ruth. <laughs> you go for it. You go I, for yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm going to read um, for some of the questions, but the first one I can answer without. <laughs> um, I know so, yeah, my name's Ruth. Obviously, Andy, married to Andy, the good-looking guy over there in the black. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we've got two girls, um, Sophie, who's six, um, and Esme, who's three. She'll be four in October. So, And uh, I... I'm a primary school teacher. I work part-time in a job share, um, teaching year one. Um, yeah, so. Excellent. Yeah. Well, now, now you know Andy and Ruth inside out. I'm going <laughs> to go from one, from, I'm going to dive straight in a bit, mo- bit more intense now. So w- at the time you, you joined our church, which was kind of five, six months ago, how would you describe your, your relationship with God and where you're at at that point? Okay. So, yeah, when we joined the church, um, I'd say that my relationship with God was good. Um, I grew up in a Christian home and asked Jesus into my life when I was about four or five. Um, I've had ups and downs through life um, and trusted God through trials and so on. Um, However, for as long as I can remember, I've struggled with worrying and negative thinking. Um, I'm also a perfectionist by nature, um, which has meant I've gone through life setting myself ridiculously high standards and probably setting that for other people around me (laughs) um and over the years I've read various books to try and deal with that um I've read books like Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Mayer um The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale um however I've only ever managed phases of improved thinking uh, but never actually managed to stop the habit of a lifetime so I guess when I think about it now I'd say I've never experienced full freedom or a full life in Christ and how would you say that has play, kind of played out with those around you your family and what's what's that meant for them Okay, so Andy, stay quiet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, as you can imagine, uh, my negative thinking probably hasn't had a great effect on my family. In fact, you, you'd better be uh, you'd be better interviewing Andy uh, to get the truth as to what it's been like living with me. <laughs> um, I've spent a lot of my life wishing time away because I'd be wishing till the next thing I was worrying about had passed, and then I'd start all over again worrying about the next thing. Um, and my biggest area of worry has been over work. Because um, obviously I'm, I said I'm a teacher and I work at the beginning of the week. So every Sunday afternoon I'd start feeling anxious about school. I'd then spend hours doing schoolwork and try to achieve perfection. Um, 
I'd be worried about any forthcoming observations, uh, what people would think if they were watching my lessons, um, and so on. And Monday morning was the worst. <laughs> I'd feel sick, I'd have stomach ache, I'd feel like crying, uh, I'd wish I could quit, <laughs> um, because I was so worried about the day ahead um, and thinking negatively about how it was going to go. I'd even, um, this isn't long ago, it's just basically before we started reading the book, I'd even gone to the pharmacy and bought some kind of herbal remedy drops that are supposed to calm you um, when you're sort of having times of stress and anxiousness. Um, that's, that's, and then I started to use those on a Sunday night and on a Monday morning when I was feeling the worst. Um, so that's kind of how bad I was feeling. Um, and my school... It's not been an easy place to work over the past year or so. However, that level of fear um, and worry wasn't warranted. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm sure Sony can relate to so much of that different ways. Obviously not all teachers. It might look different, but so frightening how powerful our minds can be when we uh, allow them to... To, yeah. to do this sort of stuff. So um, in Jack's book, because I know um, we know that you've commented a few times on the book and how helpful it's been. What yeah. is there anything specific that has resonated with you? What's helped? What's what's jumped out most of all? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we started reading Jack's book. Uh, thank you, Jack. In uh, in the Connect group, and I didn't really know anything about the book, um, to be honest. So when we had to read the first chapter before the the first session entitled "Thinking Differently." Um, I was really into it straight away because, of course, thinking differently is one of the things I've always wanted to learn how to do. Um, I've often felt like when I've tried to think positively, I'm actually lying um, because that's not actually how I feel. Um, anyway, I think the biggest light bulb moment for me was when I was noting down some answers to the first question at the end of the chapter. I don't know if, if we put it on or not. Did got the first question so um yeah in the in the book i'm sure everyone's been reading it in the in the um um yeah so we had to um some questions at the end of the chapter and uh, and it was literally in i was in a hurry before house group to like oh i better just look over the questions because we might have to talk about it you know better have my answers ready um and so i did i was i, I remember i was standing in the kitchen and i I was standing by, by, the, microphone, uh, by the microwave, <laughs> I grabbed a pen and a, a piece of paper and I was like, right, I must scribble down these answers, you know, so I've got something to mind. And it said, analyse where your past thinking has brought you, good and bad. Uh, write down five positive results of thinking positively. And likewise, write down five negative results uh, of thinking negatively. Um, now, the the first bit, the five positive results of um, thinking positively, I really struggled with. I literally couldn't think <laughs> of anything because I always think negatively. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'll get my notes again so I can remember where I'm up to. Um, so, yeah, I really struggled. I couldn't actually think. So I was even thinking of jobs that, you know, I'd got interviews I'd gone for and I got the job, but I hadn't thought positively about it, so I couldn't list these things down. Um, so, yeah, so I think the light bulb moment came when I was suddenly aware that in my life, most of the time, despite my negative thinking, things actually usually turn out positively. So I thought about it some more, and it dawned on me, if things generally go well in the end, 
then the major negative impact of my negative thinking is actually that I'm ruining the journey. I'm making myself feel worried and anxious until whatever event I'm worried about or anxious about is over. I've often thought in life that you're better off being pessimistic, um, as at least you'll prepare yourself for the worst, and then you're pleasantly surprised. And that's kind of how I've often thought, oh, you're better off. Um, However, what I've never thought about is all that wasted time thinking the worst, uh, and how horrible that makes you feel, um, when actually, more often than not, the worst never happens. I thought about all my worry about school on a Sunday night and a Monday morning, but then in the end, the day usually goes okay, manic and stressful, but never as bad as I've feared, and by Monday night, I feel relieved, so then I've put myself through feeling awful for all that time when there was no need. I've even thought, uh, this is a bit embarrassing really, I thought of, well this is what happened, I then thought about um, some really trivial examples in my life which hit home to me how bad my negative thinking um, was uh, affecting my life. Something as trivial as getting ready to go out, like for a party or whatever, I wouldn't enjoy getting ready or look forward to the party as I'd just be worried about what I was going to wear, thinking that I wouldn't find anything, I wouldn't look nice, we'd be late um, and I'd be nervous and wouldn't really know anyone or whatever and then in the end I'd usually find something to wear sorry this is probably more for the women isn't it (laughs) lots of them have gone out but maybe not (laughs) Um, and I'd probably look okay in the end and the party would be fine and I'd wasted the whole getting ready um, part which I could have actually enjoyed as well Um, and another really trivial example which which popped out to me like well as I started to you know build up a picture of all these things was uh, I chatted to a neighbor and she was um, really excited about her um, daughter's third birthday party that she was throwing and you know all the all the preparations and everything and I found myself thinking I don't get excited or look forward to things like that I just worry about them. I worry that I won't get everything sorted. And you guessed it, in the end, it usually goes well. And I'm relieved, wondering why I wasted all the time worrying about it. So at that Connect group that week, I made a decision. I'm not going to think negatively anymore. I'm not going to waste hours and days of my life worrying and thinking the worst. And I realized that thinking positively even when you don't feel that way, isn't actually lying to yourself, but it's speaking truth and trusting God for the best possible outcome. And I started from that day to change my thinking. It wasn't easy at first, especially on a Monday morning when Andy would test me. I think he was a bit sceptical as to if this new positive thinking was actually going to happen. And he'd say, are you looking forward to work this morning? Uh, And I would say through gritted teeth, yes. (laughs) Um, But the miracle really happened. I actually started to stop the negative thinking, uh, to choose like it says in Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. And I really feel like a different person. I feel joy now in my everyday. And the more I'm training myself to stop the negative thinking, because it is a habit and it's not easy to break that, but I'm so aware of it now. Um, 
I think it's it's getting easier to think um, the truth um, and to think think positively. And you know, since choosing to think differently, um, I haven't needed to use those herbal remedy drops on a Monday morning. Um, so thank you, Jack, for writing your book and for being the catalyst for changing my life and helping me to grow in my mind and bring joy into my everyday life. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. I just love that. He, God cares about our journey. I love that. Like, he doesn't want us. Like, even though we might end up at the same place, he cares about our journey, and I love that. And I, I feel, you know, for you guys, I feel like you're, God's brought you to our church for such a time as this, and there's, there is growth and there's healing for you. I really feel that so thank you for sharing appreciate it thank you. Thank you. i've shared this before but uh corrie ten boom she talks she talks about it as forgiveness but um um but when when you get people in a, an old church and they're ringing the bells on those big ropes dong 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 they they choose to let go of the bell but it keeps ringing because there's still momentum to that bell but slowly over time as long as you don't start pulling on that big thing again to get the bell going these things they soon for silence so sometimes it's you still get that thing going on but um but god wants to free us from it jack jonna jonna join us so yes yeah, so we're gonna kind of dip in and out of a few different chapters which we've not looked at yet so the first one we're gonna kind of touch on is growth through textbooks yes. um so first jack what are some of the books particularly not i mean current ones but more i think more in your past you know more of those sort of formational years maybe what are the books that have really sort of challenged you and been formational for you yeah i i was talking to somebody the other day about this i, I love books that i can learn from rather than ent- entertain me so um like novels don't really do it for me you know I, I just, <laughs> susan can get into a novel and she's there she's in the situation she's living it she's breathing it and uh, she's away in another place when I, when I, I'm more like, if I'm not learning something here, then uh, I want to write something down that I've learned that I didn't know before. That's, that's me, really. Um, I say in the book that one book, it really uh, turned me around. I can think back to about 1981 or 82, something of that order. I read a book by David Watson, who was a CV vicar, um, very prominent in the charismatic movement right in the very early days. And he was in York, um, and uh, vicar there, and he wrote um, a book on discipleship, and that literally turned me round. It just sometimes there's books that just like Ruth was saying, it just something clicks, and it's like a, a God moment. And I remember the house, I can remember the bedroom that I read that book. And I remember just how it suddenly decided. In fact, I made an appointment to go and see the pastor. And it was Rob Whitaker, some of you know. And I went round to Rob, and uh, I said, I just have something to share with you. And uh, I think he thought this was going to be deadly serious, something, marriage problem or something, you know. And, um, and I felt, in some senses, I felt a little bit disappointed because I sat down in his front room, and I said, I've been reading this book, Rob. And he says, yeah, what book is that? I told David Watson, Discipleship. And he says, what is it you'd like to tell me? I says, I've decided... I don't want to be a convert. I want to be a disciple. And uh, he, he, he sort of uh, he looked at me like, "That's great." <laughs> and you know when somebody doesn't quite get what you're trying, <laughs> you think, "Yeah, you're saying it's great, but it's not as great for you as it is for me." And it was like a turning point in my life because I was brought up in a Christian home, like Ruth became a Christian. 
and some have told you the stories, you know, young, tender ages. But at this point in my life, almost at the beginning of our married life, I decided I want to be a disciple and not just be a, a convert. So that book radically changed me and how I, how I saw my Christian life. And what, what was that book again, sorry? David Watson on discipleship. Okay, because I think some people might have like, read your book and they've not really read much and they're thinking, oh, I want to read another book, what should I read? Yes, that's, good. That, that's a fantastic book, fantastic yeah. book. I think what, often when I read a good book, I often, sometimes on their websites, they'll have like a reading list. So if I like their book, I'll find the books that they've read and yeah. kind of follow the trail backwards <laughs> and, and do it that way. Um, so what... Oh, that's Reese questions. I was going to ask you a... Yeah. No, don't, don't ask me Reese questions. Ask, far too intense. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have no problem that. getting dressed to go out. <laughs> um, so as we... I've, I've heard people say before um, that oh, I, don't, I don't want to read books. I just want to read the Bible because they're all too confusing and they muddle my mind up too much. So yeah. how, how can we... Um, I, I think one, one of the potential dangers, I think, of reading as well is some people might get quite prideful about what they know. They might become a bit kind of know-it-all Charlies and think they... How do we maintain um, humility and still wanting to, you know, continue kind of growth, that growth attitude rather than thinking, I've nailed it now, answers, perfect, done it, solved. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I love reading autobiographies. And when you read autobiographies, you, it gives me hope when I read people's stories and where they've come from and what they've achieved and what they've done and what battles they've faced and, and valleys and mountaintops and so forth. And I think if you get to any sort of age, you realize nobody but nobody has got it all together. You know, despite what they say, they just haven't. And um, the, the, there's a part of them that is called their humanity. And they have mountaintop experiences, which is fantastic. They maybe scale heights that we don't scale, but they also go through the nitty-gritty of life. You know, I was, when we were at the conference with T.D. Jakes, he was talking about his book called Crushing and how you, you only get the wine when you crush the grapes. And really, and we may go into this, I don't know, but the, the whole thing of we try and avoid pain, we try and avoid difficult moments and difficult conversations and different difficult experiences, but actually those are the growth uh, moments. These are the growth spurts. The very thing that we, we tell God to get rid of out of our life is the very crushing of us that produces something beautiful, the best wine, if you like, and um, and so, what was the question again? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just how, how we ma- maintain humility, even we, we might read a book and think we've uh, found answers, and how do you not just become someone who reads a book? And yeah, I mean, I was brought up in the Christian Brethren, and, and they would give you chapter and verse for anything, anything at all, they give you chapter and verse, um, which is great, and you should have chapter and verse. Um, but sometimes they put themselves, as far as I could see as a young man, they put themselves on this sort of pedestal. Probably didn't do it deliberately, but they put themselves up there. And I was thinking, I'll never be up there. I'll never hold the microphone. I'll never teach the Bible because that's what they can do. You know, that's what they're good at. That's, they come down from the, the mountaintop experience each week, and then they come and preach, and then they go back up to the mountain and live up there. Um, but... But that's not the case, you know, and it's only as I grew and got older and realized a little bit what was going, behind, going on behind the scenes and their issues and their problems and so forth. And I think it's always good for any man or woman of God to, to realize um, where they've come from. 
and just exactly where they've come from. And uh, I quote my mother, um, which part of which I don't agree with, what she used to say, you know, um, you're a sinner saved by grace, nothing more, nothing less. But that's true. And, and we've got to realize that we are human. And we do let ourselves down. We do let God down. Um, but you'll never put a frown in God's face because he's the, we're the apple of his eye. You know. yeah, I think I, I'm not like um, a natural reader. I'm not someone that would go home and enjoy like, I'm going to sit down and read my book and have a nice evening. Like I, but I've, I've noticed there's a, a real correlation, I think, between what I'm reading and how I'm doing with God yeah. a lot of the time. And yeah. So sometimes I've read books and they are confusing and they might stretch me and I might not know what to do and it might disagree with another book that I read. But somewhere in that I find I find God, and mm-hmm. it makes me ask him questions and keep going to him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so not always just reading books that are comfy and that I like. Sometimes they challenge sure. you, and they, sure. and I think that's sometimes where the um, you get stretched and you grow. I mean, I've just been reading a book on um, the autobiography of um, Mahatma Gandhi, just <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and uh, fantastic. Uh, he's so honest. And I'm only just through the introduction into chapter one. But already you can tell he was a man who was seeking God, but even in his last days had not found him and, and, um, and realized <clears throat> he was looking for the truth, but he had never got the truth. And uh, because when I read things like that, I'm thinking, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you know. And uh, what turned Mahatma Gandhi off Christianity was Christians because they used to stand on the corner um, of the street in whatever city in India, Delhi or whatever, where he was, and they used to lambast Hindus, you know. Instead of speaking a positive gospel, they were, were lambasting the Hindu religion, and that immediately turned him off. You know, sometimes we're, we're like that. We're known for what we're against rather than what we're for. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just moving on, I think it's probably going to, um, it touches on what Ruth was talking about, I guess, but you talked in growth through being thankful um, about mm-hmm. gratitude. And wh- why do you think gratitude is such a huge theme in the Bible? How does that play out in your life? What does it mean when you, when you maintain that gratitude attitude? <laughs> gratitude <laughs> attitude, yes. You know all my phrases, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, I think God really wants us to be grateful. Um, he, his face lights up when he shows that we appreciate what we have done for him. Because if you don't appreciate what you've already had, then there's no base to go forward from there. You know, you're just, some people are just graspers, grabbers. And it comes from a place of insecurity because they don't think they can get any more. And they want more, they want more, they want more because they want security. And I think um, you see Jesus so often speaking to his father and he's thanking him you know, for, uh, for all that he's done and all that he is and all he's going to do. And the same in the whole, all the way through the Bible. And I think if you can be grateful for what God done in the past and in the present, then there's even more for you in the future. You know, God, God looks for that gratefulness, that gratitude attitude. He looks for that because he realizes if you're grateful for the small things, then he can trust you with the bigger things. Yeah. I think as well, being thankful, it's, it, it forces humility because I think yeah. when you say thank you for something, you're recognizing that I couldn't do this without 
Exactly. With that, and I think there's, exactly. a, there's, a, there's a disarming thing to that I think yeah. as well. You, you wrote in the book, um, the, truth, the truth is if you learn to be thankful for every situation, you will learn to be happy in every situation, mm. um, which is great, but um, a lot of the time there's a lot of painful stuff. Maybe in, even this morning for us there's different real painful, painful, dark things mm. we might be going through. How, how do you stay thankful when you're in those sorts of um, seasons in life? Because I think um, even it's to be grateful that God has not left you. you know, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, no matter what the issue is, no matter what the problem is. And I think this whole gratitude thing comes from, back to what I was saying at the beginning, is we want out of the situation. We want out of the difficulty. We want out of the pain. And God's saying, no, I've got, I've got something for you. You know, I spoke the other week there about treasures in the darkness, there's jewels and treasures in your painful situation that God wants you to, to grasp and to take into your future. But if he just, if he just takes you out of it, then you're, you're missing the treasure to take with you on your journey. And so often we are praying, you know, take me away or take me out. And God's saying, no, you haven't found the treasure yet. Once you've found the treasure, I'll take you out. Um, I'll take you through. And so I think, I think it's, it's, it's knowing that there's treasure there, and I want to get that treasure. And as soon as I get that treasure, then the days of darkness, the days of pain are not going to be too long because I've grasped what God's trying to say. I've got what God's trying to teach me in this situation, so now I can go forward. Yeah, no, that's good. 40 we- years in the wilderness, Moses, the children of Israel, teaching them what they needed to learn before they could inherit the promised land, you know. Absolutely. I, th- I think there's a thing as well to, um, be, when, when time has gone, moved by and you're out of that season, but looking mm. back at that season with that, and you've maintained that, that gratitude for that, yes. I think that, that's like a, it's a reminder of a victory of something that God did. Yeah. So we, we have a thing at home, we've got two, two jars at home, and, and we write prayer, prayers down, things that we're praying for, that we're believing for. And we, have, we put them all in the one jar. And then every week, few weeks, we, we go back and, and gradually we're kind of moving them from one jar to the other. Now, we don't, we don't just throw them out. We keep yeah, them in that jar. So we keep reminding ourselves. Because you're like, just yeah. so forgetful. I forget that God did this for us and that for us. And that, mm, that mm. gives us courage for what we're going through yes. now as well. Yeah, we might yeah. be in this valley. We might be in a dark place. We might, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But we remember God's faithfulness. And, yeah. and remembering is a huge word. And I think the deeper the issue you've gone through, the deeper the pain, you're not as likely to forget it. So you take it forward in your journey. You don't carry it, but you remember it, and you remember what God has done for you. You remember how God came through for you, and you realize he was there right in the middle of that dark situation. God was there. And that keeps talking what you were saying before. That gives you a humility in the future. That you remember, because it, it hurt you deeply, or it, it impacted you very, very strongly. So you take that into your future, and you think, oh yes, you know. You might be getting an applause now. People might be saying your book's fantastic now, but I remember all the other stuff. I remember, you know, this and that stuff that Sue and I have gone through. People in the church, all sorts of situations. And when you go through all of that and you remain strong, then it keeps your balance when things start going really well. It doesn't go to your head, you know, it, like, a, like a lottery winner, winner suddenly winning millions that they've never earned. 
It's almost like the pain is you earning. In, in, in music, they talk about paying your dues, don't you? You're doing the clubs and the pubs, and then suddenly you're an overnight, in, in commas, uh, in overnight success. Actually, you're not. You know, you've been, you've been <laughs> on the circuit for 10 or 15 years, and then suddenly everybody loves you, and, and, and you keep balanced because you know the pain, you know the, the, the truth about the whole thing. Do you, do you have anything that you do to try and... Um, help you be grateful any like I said with the jars that sort of thing any kind of practices any <laughs> things that you do because I, 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 I think similar to what Jesus talks about of communion he did it because we're forgetful people so yeah. do this in memory, memory of I don't, I don't I would love to say yes I've got a jar I've got a box I've got this and that you just book. nailed it Jack you just yeah. do it automatically <laughs> <laughs> well, well I tend to I tend to to be grateful for people, I tend to, I don't know, is the way I was brought up or what we've gone through in life, but Susan will tell you, you know, in fact, we're sitting in that room, our room, just this morning, and I said to Susan, we're just having a coffee, talking about this or that, the next thing, and I says, I'm just looking around, love, and I says, I am so grateful for what God's done. And I was just looking at ornaments and books in my study and just looking around the church, looking at you guys, I says, I'm so grateful. But I don't have a, sorry, I don't have a bottle, I don't have a jar. Love to have a jar. <laughs> we need a jar, love. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, not in the spirit. Um, but, but I've just, it, it's just, I don't know, it's something that's in me. <laughs> no, that's great, that's great. Um, you, the chapter, Growth Through Thoroughness. I feel like we should spend a long time on this one, else we, we're not, <laughs> we're not doing it properly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you talked in the, that chapter, you said, decide to be a completer finisher. So many, yeah. so many people make a start, but they give up, whereas others Ooh. start well, but don't give it their best. They become mediocre. They do, uh, they do a bit here and a bit there. However you, however, you can decide to be thorough. If someone asks you to do something, do it thoroughly. Don't do it half-heartedly. By only giving a piece of yourself to your job, marriage, church, ministry, and friendships, give your all. Be thorough, focused, and committed. So I know when I read that, I think, absolutely, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but then I, I think, oh, well, I've, I've got stuff at church. I've got a family. I've got a job. I've got to you know, do my money. I've got to do my bit of exercise occasionally. I've got to, lots of things that I've got in my life. Like how, yeah. And I think I can't give 100% to everything. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we give our best even when we can't I don't think you can give your time to everything but I think you can give 100% to everything um, so if I'm going to put the chairs out we'll put, I mean you, so I've learned so much from Sue in this you know if, she's, if Sue does something it's just right and, um, and if she can't do it just right then she probably won't do it at all <laughs> um, so I, over the years I've learned so much from her being and she's also a complete finisher she sees things through to the end and I tend to be that way too that if I, if I say I'm going to do something I will do it yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> whether you like it or whether you don't like it I will yeah, do it that's true as well <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I, I, I because I think you know Jesus set his face like a flint in other words he he, he was totally committed to what he felt called to and what God wanted him to do in his life and so forth. And I think, you know, I think we're, we're great at starting things. And as I say, we're not so good at completing things. I think the enemy comes in and distracts us and sow, sows weeds and tears and all sorts of things into our life and gets our attention onto this and that and the next thing. And he, he, just, he just messes with our minds so that we, we forget, what, why, why am I here? You know, ever go into a room and think, 
Why, why did I come in here? You know, why did I go in? The older I get, I go upstairs and think, what did I come up here for? And, and I think often the enemy does that. He gets us distracted. So we, we set off to do something. We come to the front. Somebody prays for us or whatever else. And then a day or two later, we're, we're like nowhere. And it's because the enemy has changed our focus. But if we can remain focused, it's the people who are focused that, who achieve. Um, and it's not always the talented ones, and not always the ones with the ability or the great book writers. When I said in, in India, uh, next time I come, I went, I'll have this book. That was it, decided it was written. You know, it wasn't written, but it was going to be written. Um, because I knew if I said it, so I'm very, always very reluctant to say things because I know if I say it, it's going to happen. <laughs> one way or the other yeah. uh, and that's just a sense of that, that if something's worth doing and you want to do it then you almost have to do it yeah definitely how, how, how would it so just a, an example for me say um, say you've asked me to, to speak on a Sunday or something yes. and I want to do it the best that I can do it yes. so I give the time but then I've also something comes up on the Thursday night for my family which requires me to be the best yeah. husband and best father that I can be and these you get like these different kind mm-hmm. of conflicting and it's like sure. I want something I want to do both things the best that I can yes but there's um, different things competing for my 100% I think as soon as you uh, tr- say you're going to do anything in life life will test your resolve to do it that's just a fact I, I'm going to go to university, and I'm going to study, I'm going to get a medical degree or whatever, then all through your journey, through university, through your training, life will test whether you're really committed to that degree. Um, and so if somebody says, I want to be a preacher, then life and God will test you to see whether you really want to be a teacher and a preacher. And so, yes, stuff will come up. But then, so, is it just something that you can think, well, sorry, can't do it because I've got this? Or do you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and say, well, I'll study for two hours then and I'll get it done? Um, I'll stay up late at night, 11 to 1, and I'll study then and I'll get it done. It's that I'll get it done attitude. And sometimes the, the reward um, isn't big enough. Because if I said to somebody, if you go up at four o'clock tomorrow morning, I'll give you a million pounds. Every one of us would be up at four o'clock. Every one of us, totally committed, bright, breezy, would be here, four o'clock. Jack, where's my million? But you see, that's only a question of, of um, motivation. So now, money has motivated you for that million. You think, I can do this with a million, I can do that with a million. Now, God says, I want you to preach a sermon. What's more important, that sermon for God or the million? Do you understand? And so it's, it's getting priorities in your life. Where does God come in my life? So if God said something to me that Susan contradicted, bless her little heart, she knows this, God comes first. It's just done. It's a done deal. Um, not to say that everything... <laughs> I'm not saying because God says, well, you're preaching Sunday, so disregard Susan. It's not, it's not that. It's a question of who comes first, what comes first, and if I put God first, then everything else then falls into order. And it may be God says, put your family first, which is fine. Uh, but you've got to get a handle on what God's saying. But life will test you. If I want to be a musician, you're going to have to train to be a musician. You're going to have to pay the price. Um, and 
these days in life, we're used to, all of us, we're used to smartphones, that we can get any answer to anything, touch a few buttons, we can talk to somebody else elsewhere in the world, or whatever else, and we can do whatever we want, and we get instant answers. But in life, God's not like that. Yeah, I was, I was listening to um, that guy, Joe Wicks, who does the healthy eating, fitness sort of thing, and he was saying that he got offered a load of money um, with a supermarket to do some um, ready meals. Yeah. And so he decided whether to do it. But when he, when he realized it was going to be ready meals, he realized, no, that's, not, that's nothing what I'm about. Yeah. So it made the decision easy because yeah. he had pre-decided what his goals were and mm-hmm. what his mission was. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of made, it, it answered the question for him because yeah. he'd, already, uh, he'd already got there beforehand. It meant that his commitment to his, to his ideals was more important than the money. And I think that's in life we have to decide... What's important and what's not so important. Definitely. Um, so moving on to uh, growth beyond your tradition. So I know, Jack, you grew up in a very different tradition than <laughs> what kinda, this is here today, what, what you've built here. So can you talk a little bit about how you transitioned from that one tradition into this one? Was it a quick process? Was it no, over a long no, time? No, Susan will tell you it wasn't a quick transition. Um, I, I really, sometimes I, I, I fear that I don't pay... Uh, fair dues to the to the background that I had because some of these men and women of God would put us to shame with their love for Jesus and the love for God's house and love for God's word and time in prayer and so forth um, and so I don't I don't want to sort of negate any of that uh, but I I find it I found it difficult in the sense of I found it quite. Um, they believed in God the Father, they believed in God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was just a touch embarrassing and a touch sort of not sure about that and so we'll just just say that's 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 just forget that. <laughs> um and so the whole thing of God the Holy Spirit is when uh, when I met Sue and we got married and uh, we started we started off in a mission church and Methodist church first of all in a mission church then we came over to a uh, church in Preston that Rob led and that was a, a gradual journey for me as to seeing that people could be full of the spirit but also have a head on their shoulders as well and and they could think things through and and uh, not be loopy and, and all the rest of it so it, it's a balance of word and works and wonders really um, that that God sort of led me led me into, um, and so it's been it's been a gradual transition. So I can see all the benefits. I was so blessed, so blessed, to be brought up in the tradition, um, and you know, two brothers and a Baptist minister, sister who's an evangelist, and we were brought up in the brethren. So it couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you uh, like um, disappoint anyone or offend them as you kind of moved, like from where you're up to now to there? Were the people that no, because I, I really don't have any contact with any of them. And most of them, the older generation, like my mom and dad, have passed away and so forth. That they would never, they would never approve a lot of things that we do here. Um, but to me, the things that aren't is so important here. You know, they would want a holy hush, really, and and. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never wear shorts, you know. Um, <laughs> I changed four times this morning, and then I thought, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I can't. <laughs> And 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 you would get away with the tartan shirt, but you'd, ha- you'd have to have a tie on. Um, 
and Susan, Susan would have a hat on, and, and, um, and they forget all of that. All of that. Some people are thinking this sounds quite good, this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but when I started to question some of the things, why people walked around the church in, in, when the service was beginning, why did they walk around on their tiptoes, you know? And it, it, it's like, why are people walking around on their tiptoes? And it's because they wanted to create an intimacy, a quietness, a reverence. And which is great. There's not, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but Jesus can be in the house, and and tables can be overturned, and all sorts of things can happen. Um, so, and water can be turned into wine, and 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 so forth. So it, it's they had made little things vitally important. And what I've later realized is the vitally important things, like the Holy Spirit, they had trivialized. And uh, so, but that's, but you see, the brethren, you've got to understand, the brethren were the radicals of the day. They came out of the Church of England, and they were radical. They were the charismatics of the day, many, many years ago. They were the priesthood of all believers, and so forth, and um, they were radical. But like many other denominations, the initial people with the, the, the truth, the revelation uh, the new insight, it can become a form of godliness, but the power is not there, you know. I think it's great. There's so much we can learn, I think, from other traditions, and Fantastic, it's, yeah. a, it's a trap, isn't it, to think, no, this is, this is, the, way, yeah. this is the way that we do yeah. it. And I know, like your connection with T.D. Jakes, I know their tradition is yeah. so different to what we have here, but there's, sure. there's, a, common, yeah. there's a commonality to it. And, um, but yeah, lots, lots that we can learn from all kinds of uh, traditions. Um, just kind of times quickly, quickly whizzing by. So just a, more of a, a general uh, kind of question. I think there's a bit of a, a tension maybe. We, we talk a lot about how we're saved by grace, not by works. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about things, you know, like God has given us rest. You look at the world and, and we would look at others, how they are chasing money and they're chasing building and people are exhausting themselves, burning themselves out the way that the world are in the, the rat race. Um, I don't, for me, there's a little bit of a tension with with we want like the par- parable which you read at the start about wanting to be the best that we can be for God, wanting to grow, wanting to. Th- can you just talk a little bit between the tension of those things? How we how we pursue growth without just ending up like the world in a rat race, um, trying to earn things and and works, works earning and things like that. Yeah, I think I think the the, the parable um, you read is I, I quoted it in the book as well is is a very important. It shows that God's a businessman, that he wants a profit, that he, he gives us according to our abilities. And so often we want to do things that we haven't got the ability for. And so, or, you know, they're doing such and such. We need to be doing such and such. This church is accomplishing this, so we need to accomplish that. But God gives you the talents according to your ability, and so you can, whether it's two talents, five talents, ten talents, he's not going to judge you on what, how much you made. He just wants to know, are you making a profit? Are you taking the talent, the ability, the gifting that he's given you, and are you burying it, or are you wanting to see some growth with it and taking risks with it? And like Ruth, you know, getting up this morning and... and uh, Maybe something in the past she wouldn't have done, but actually taking a little bit of ground 
and being willing to spend ourselves and do it. And I think uh, the enemy does two things with us. One is he tries to get us to do nothing, do nothing, sit down, relax. It's, you know, they're all, tell them all to take a pill and relax because, you know, I'm, I'm too tired, I'm too busy, too this, too that. So he'll get us to do nothing. Or if he can't accomplish that, he gets us to do everything. And he gets us to be so busy that you forget why you're doing it and how you're doing it. You're just getting the job done. So you're just ticking a box, done, 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 and then you're done. <laughs> so so um, and that he'll, he'll do one of those two things. And I think we've got to say, right, what, is, what has God given me? What's the abilities? What's the talents? Am I investing them? Am I making a profit with them? So if, if, if my ability, say, was evangelism, Am I seeing some souls saved? At the very least, am I witnessing to people? If he's got me, you know, writing a book, has it, have I written the book or have I just done the first chapter? Have I seen it through? Am I a completer finisher? Um, and so it's doing what he's called us to do. Uh, whatever, however small it is, if it's sweeping the floor, am I doing that? To the, to the 100% that I can do it. I'm putting the chairs out. I'm a, are these chairs looking excellent? Or oh, there's a crumbs all over them and dust and everything else. Is it putting the things out of the car park, putting them back. Are they positioned right? We're a welcoming team. Do people feel like Jesus has welcomed them? Or do they say, hi, how are you doing? You know, do you understand? So it's, it's, it's using the gifts and the abilities and the talents I've got and doing it to the nth degree that I can do it. And that puts a smile in God's face, you know. That's great. That's brilliant. Thank you, Jack, so much. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the book. I know you talked about when you wrote it, you said you were writing it on the plane with your phone, and you said it was like God was like downloading it to you. Yeah. But I think, I think also, if I can say, I think as much as that's true that it was like being downloaded, I think also you were uploading it from years and years mm-hmm. of going through this stuff. And, and, um, yeah. and that's, that's what group growth does, isn't it? You, have, you go through all these journeys, all these different seasons of life. Yeah. And that it produces something exactly. um, good at the end. So yeah. that's great. We're going to stand. We've, we've moved things around a little bit this morning where we're gonna, we've got a little bit more time for some worship now. We're going to have a couple of songs before we finish. But why don't we just stand? Um, we're just going to take a minute because I think we've talked about various things there this morning. And I think for all of us, might relate to something that Ruth said, or what Jack said, what I've said, or a mixture of them all. But I think God might just want to just be bringing something to mind for us this morning for different things for different ones of each of us but let's just spend a minute just before we sing and let's just let's just give God a little bit of room just to speak he might just want to be just nudging something he might just want to just to point to something just something which a place where you've not been experiencing freedom maybe a place where your growth has been stunted a place that's been holding you down holding you back but I just want to pray now for us I pray Lord Jesus Father God This morning, I just heard a few stories of what happens when we live in your freedom. And God, I just know that although you've set us free, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But I know there are many of us that are still living in the chains. They've, they've been broken, but we're holding on to them. The prison door is open, but we're still sat in the comfort of the prison cell, God. But I know that's not the life that you have for us. So I pray Right now, Holy Spirit, just come and, and touch, point at the places in our life where we're not living in the freedom that you have for us. 
God, I know your heart for us is growth. It is freedom. It's to be all that you want us to be. It's to be more like Jesus, to be the people that you created us to be, to be the fathers, the mothers, the sons, the daughters, the employees, the, the pastors, the whatever it might be, all the different roles that we play in life. God, you want us to be all that we can be in these places. So Holy Spirit, just come now as we just wait for a minute before we sing. Just come. Just come and reveal to us. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.